I'm Kane Winston. Hello, Internet. I'm Matthew Dergish. And you're listening to the Untold Talks of Spider-Man, podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. All right. And this truly is a Spider-Man story, Kane. We're talking today, the most told, untold that we've ever told. To have and to hold from May 2007. Creative team, baby. Check this lineup out. Matt friggin' Fraction is the writer. Salvador LaRocca is the artist. Paco Roca on color art. VCs, Corey Patet on letters. And then, you know, a whole bunch of other people. But we want to say a special thanks to John Romita Sr. and Ross Andrew for the great years of Spider-Man stories. Hey, man. It wasn't Stanley and Steve Ditko for once. I appreciate them spreading some love. Yeah. Uh, so this one's pretty widely available. Um, you're going to really have no trouble finding it online. Uh, it's been collected in trade paperback as well. And in the hearts and minds of Spider-Man fans across the globe. There we go. We'd also like to extend a special thanks to the Asgardian Spider Dad at Spider Dad Chris on Twitter for requesting this particular story. Yeah, man. Uh, he's a good guy. He's part of our Twitter fam and definitely big shout outs, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, Kane, what's your general impressions of this big, momentous comic? It is a very sweet comic that is wedged into quite probably the weirdest era of Spider-Man and very short-lived. And I remember reading this around when it came out because this is about when I started jumping on and getting current with the comics right around uh, the uh, back in black uh, when Spider-Man 3 was coming out. And I remember really enjoying it, and I've, I've reread it a few times over the years and remember enjoying it, but it's been a while since I've touched upon this one again. And I, 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 I this is going to sound like kind of some sacrilege, and maybe, maybe by the end of the episode we'll, we'll have my mind changed a little bit, but... It kind of fell flat for me, this read. Um, maybe my heart's just dead. So, unrelated question, Kane. Yes. How's the love life? Yeah, my heart's dead. <laughs> All right. Um, the reason I mention is because when it comes to, you know, some love stories, cheesy or heartfelt, from Archie to Strangers in Paradise, if you're at a place in your life with uh, that aspect of your life, sometimes those stories aren't the things you want to be reading. So, well, like it's it's not like there were like I felt like any bitterness or anything like that. That's that's not like that's not it. Not, um, yeah, no, that's not what I mean. I, I you weren't like mm. cursing the skies. Damn you, Peter Parker, for finding love. <laughs> uh, but just not not what you want to be reading. A, a much smaller thing, not a super. It villain doesn't resonate origin. as much. Yeah. Okay. As long as you're not you know uh, accusing me of being an incel. Dora comic skater. So we're good. <laughs> I, I took a look-see to see what others might have said about this comic, because I knew there had to be a few opinion pieces out there. And wouldn't you believe it, one uh, Mark Ginocchio had some words to wax about this book. Not once, but twice on the front page of Google. Once through the amazing spider talk da 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 dot com. Don't know why I can't say dot com. Dot com. All the way from the year 2004. 15, where they were talking about the greatest Peter Parker, Mary Jane stories, dash one, uh, stuff. And they really like this one. I, I don't know what I'd put in front of it, but saying this is the top Mary Jane Peter Parker story, uh, 
I would not agree with that, but it is a good one. And then, but a year prior, on another site, ChasingAmazingBlog.com, uh, he, you know, talked about the case for the Peter Parker Mary Jane marriage, and this was a big part of that. And it was interesting to hear him talk about how he wasn't the biggest proponent of Mary Jane and Peter Parker being together, but this is comic is one of the strongest arguments for it. I don't know how to access Spider-Man without the idea of him being married to Mary Jane on some level, or the idea that that's part of his history. That has been my reality with Spider-Man since I've known him, and the 90s cartoon of the day, you know, really helped that along as well. So, to me, Mary Jane and Peter Parker are just forever fated to be together, and other people are just flings along the way. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we, we've never really covered a comic that did like a deep dive into their relationship like uh this one or parallel lives or a handful of those early jms stories where he kind of reintroduces them as a couple after their uh issues in in the 90s i mean i, I guess there was some of that in final adventure but we've we've never really done a story that fo- has like a laser focus on mary jane like this one does right um, and it's funny, too, because as much as Peter Parker's changed for the ages, so is Mary Jane, and how they bounce off each other with those changes in the time is interesting from moment to moment here. And I think it's important to note that this comic with Mary Jane is kind of right before a certain reading of feminism was interjected into mainstream comics. So where she's given some agency, she's still very much just kind of a damsel in distress here. And as good as this is, I'm pretty sure we would if if we had something similar today it'd be handled very differently today yes i i agree with that um i actually had the very same thoughts when i was reading this earlier um that and and it kind of matched what i remember for the tone of the jms stories to be where mj was i mean she was more than just you know a, a cheesecake um <laughs> And, and something for the, the artist to draw uh, to get some fan service in, to borrow that term. But there was still a lot of, I guess, damn... What? Sorry, I. it's like a cheese... What do you call a woman a cheesecake? I think that's a different implication, but I don't know. Sorry, that's just... Well, you, you know what I, I mean. I know exactly you know. what you mean, but if you walked over and be like, you're a cheesecake, uh, you'd probably get that. <laughs> okay, no, I... I I follow you now. Um, yeah, it w- she's still very much a character that is defined by her relationship to the protagonist uh, and and her marriage and her relationship. Yeah, like, she is, um, but in a way that I don't think is wholly negative or anything either. Yeah, right. Has there been moments where growth was needed? Sure. Is this comic one of those growth moments? Definitely. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't mean to say that like I, I think this this is like a sexist portrayal of a character or anything, but um, just just to echo your point that you said earlier that I, I think that if this if we had something like this today, it would be handled a little bit differently just because we've start, we've kind of like radically changed or have attempted to change how we approach women in comics and trying to give them more agency and more uh, more of a life outside of relationships attached to main male characters. Yeah. Um, so jumping back to something you said earlier, this comic opens on kind of a recap page of the back in black moment. And uh, 
There's a heck of an image here of the black suit towering over, reaching out to an ensemble where the lizard's holding Mary Jane and the lizard looks like he's right out of an old B movie. Like it looks rubbery. I don't know. Just kind of funny. And then you have the puma and the black cat and the puma's looking masculine and Peter is looking at that masculinity it's a very odd shot um you're talking about this i think it's one of the covers from like back in black on the recap page yeah and maybe it was a cover to something i i'm I'm almost positive that's that's one of the back in black covers from like amazing um either way it's how they're choosing to uh sum up this little bit so there there you be but uh the comic opens up with a pretty famous bit uh of Peter Parker and MJ on the top of Empire State and uh, MJ looking out in awe. I... Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the scene was called out or referenced by uh, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley on their. F- it was literally the first two pages of their number one issue uh, back in last year. <laughs> <laughs> So not only is this not untold, it's retold. There you go. <laughs> there we go. And uh, I mean, we're we're not going to jump into their, you know, their use there because um, we're not talking about that issue. But it's it speaks to the legacy that this comic has. Yeah. Um, but then we uh, jump to earlier colon. Um, <laughs> MJ going to the coffee bean for some of that sweet, sweet Java like they did in the Halcyon days of a few years ago. Um, (laughs) Where she bumps into Brady, who she has a sordid past with. Uh, Did you have any notes on Brady in particular? Because this is a bit of an awkward pull from the past. No, not really. I, I mean, it, it works for the story. Uh, and, and you know, when we have the, I don't want to call it a big reveal because it's telegraphed pretty hard. Um, but, you know, it, it, it kind of, it kind of works because Brady it w- kind of represents a stand in of that break that, MJ and Peter had and kind of the the temptations of LA and the old life of LA and essentially this comic is if you want to look at it that way it's MJ's old life trying to convince MJ to give up Peter Parker. Is that an old noir film, The Temptations of LA? If not, goddamn, that's a great title for one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this Brady guy and MJ almost had a night, but didn't. And mm. I, the way this comic plays it is a bit like MJ thought about cheating once at like this very heightened moment where they were split anyways. And I'm like, and she didn't. And I don't know, to me, that reads more, ultimately more loyalty to get that close and then choose not to, in a way, to be loyal. Mm. Like, that's... I don't know. Right. It's it's like you, you tested yourself and passed rather than like you never had any sort of... Uh... Right. Then actually cheating or having a moment of infidelity. But mm-hmm. to be fair, I'm saying that is like a counterpoint. But in truth, I believe that's how most people read this comic. And part of the reason why they believe mm-hmm. this to be such a tale of love. <laughs> 
so uh, so yeah that that's yeah. a lot of it um there's a big art switch at this point i do want to talk about the art for a moment because a big moment on the empire state when we open up the first moment i looked at it i was like is that like someone else not peter parker because it doesn't i know peter parker has a variance right but mm-hmm. this guy's nose does not look like any nose i've seen <laughs> on a peter parker his jaw is way too fat for peter parker um he doesn't have that classic heroic look that peter parker's had post romita and well i mean it's very clear that for some of these uh some of these images a photo reference was used and i'm trying to place maybe uh might have just used stock images i know some artists that marvel employs who may or may not be named greg land uh use uh very recognizable famous uh actresses right <laughs> uh for for their photo references and it's very jarring uh and I, I think that's what you're seeing here is just that the the, the photo reference used for this particular expression mm-hmm. and and it changes um which is kind of the the problem when you just i, I again I, i'm assuming here kind of grab some stock photos right you're yeah uh because so yeah that first panel where he's got that big old schnoz <laughs> and uh and then you you uh, at the bot or the middle of the second page, we have a completely different hairstyle, uh, a completely different facial structure, different eyebrows, different chin. It and then and then the same thing happens the next panel. And I'm assuming the hair thing is supposed to you know be the the wind changing and everything, but it just doesn't look like the, these three images all look like three different people. Probably because three different men were used for the photo reference. Well, and I think you're right. I think that was supposed to be the wind, but you don't go from having like w- w- wind hair to bedhead. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're right. I, we're we're looking close here, and I get it. But this is generally the sin of photo referencing for comics, and why people push against it because it just pulls you out. Right. And and the the biggest issue, and why we're talking about this, is that this is supposed to be like an extremely emotional moment, and like and like it's this is supposed to like ooze pathos. But then when you have like the characters kind of like morphing and and it, it kind of pulls you out of that because it draws attention to itself rather than allowing you to immerse yourself in the story and the visual storytelling. Right. Well, there's two other reasons I wanted to bring it up. Uh, in the interview with Eric Larson that happened not too long ago on The Amazing on, Spider on, Talk. Uh... Uh, Eric Larson talks about this idea of drawing to a model and making sure that your characters aren't too far off model. And I thought it was an interesting point, but I also thought it was a little odd that he pull from the old hats when supposedly these characters have grown and changed a bit and why he wouldn't use some of the more recent models relative to when he was doing it though he did allude to playing off McFarlane in certain ways so maybe I'm overstating here because I don't know I don't know what everything going on in that man's head for a number of reasons <laughs> uh it, it, it's a little I, I think it's okay in that way like he wanted to play off Romita he wanted to play off Romita fine but here it's not that it doesn't look like Romita or it doesn't look like Dicko or anything it's like you point out that morphing between panels so 
But then where we were getting to is we we cut back to the past when Gwen was alive and everything was good. That's how you know when the blondes are alive, things are shaken. Uh, we're back at the coffee bean and they apparently had a hard remodel between then and now. And also I want to point out we have a, a break to earlier with a little um, moment there. And when we go to this flashback within a flashback here, there's no uh, editor's note or header, however you want to point that out. Well, the, the way that this flashback is uh, signified is a, a subtle shift in the arts. I mean, it's the reason why Ross Andrew and uh, Ramita Sr. were thanked in the in the credits for this comic is that uh, LaRocca kind of modeled his art after their art. And even the color palette shifts a little bit more to, I mean, it's, it's not the, the tri-color you know palettes that we had in uh no printing technology times, changed between it, then and here um right but but like the the color palette still becomes more simplified and uh the character fashions are also period appropriate to when these comics were released same thing with their dialogue and their references like gwen complains that the place is a beatnik bar mj says she doesn't really know what a beatnik is um fair question what was this i mean this comic was released in 2008 but what is a beatnik but at this point that when they were going you know hitting up the coffee bean i mean that was what the late 60s early 70s was it that's Kind of, that was kind of my question that I was posing earlier. Right, like a well, rubber band of time, like... It, it was funny that they play a time period joke like that and then position the comic like this. Right. So, I mean, I guess maybe maybe what it's supposed to be is that Gwen is commenting that this is a beatnik bar and then MJ saying she doesn't know what beatnik is, not because... Yeah, it's kind of a cute yeah, joke, yeah. right? But it, it right. has some implications that are the most mind-boggling ones of the Marvel universe overall right i mean harry and peter are still wearing like their bow tie and you know a regular tie like people definitely do in the this would be the 90s well, they're squares <laughs> checks out yeah uh i mean so you got rumita and ross andrew i saw this and all i could think was darwin cook this looks like if you're going for a darwin cook impression this is pretty spot on uh, i mean that might have been by accident but i i think the idea um is definitely supposed to be hearkening back to ramita and ross andrew i mean later in the comic they recreate that ross andrew scene uh with mj and, and peter's first kiss mm-hmm. um so and like I, I can't pinpoint you know I, I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that uh mark and dan do so i can't really uh pinpoint if this is supposed to be a particular uh moment at the coffee bean um but i i would assume this would be more of the romita style so we jump back to the present but the present earlier <laughs> flashbacks within flashbacks are always a little annoying mm-hmm. it's like you're time traveling but without the fun of doctor who well it's, it's not it's not a flashback the stories just start in it's not even in medias res it starts at the end and then goes back to the beginning and it's, then flashes back within that postmodernism yeah, anyway yeah non-linear storytelling it's all the rage we need to kick it it's a bad habit uh i so we get the reveal about brady being a shield agent and them having a tryst and peter is 
talking to Detective Lamont and trying to turn himself in. Uh, I, I guess we should also, we neglected to mention that this takes place after Civil War when Peter Parker reveals his identity and becomes a wanted fugitive for refusing to register as a superhuman. Uh, I, I realize most everyone listening probably knows that little bit of tidbit, uh, that tidbit of information, but some of y'all might not have read that story, so or or might not be familiar with that particular turn of events. I don't know. I, I the 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 quote unquote present day stuff I actually mostly found less interesting than the uh, flashbacks and them kind of. It's interesting because they're both essentially being interviewed by cops and they're talking about their relationship while dodging around the fact that they're fugitives at the moment. Well, you you also have like the the inversion of the of the of the, of the role of the cops in in MJ's case, the cop is trying to break her down and tear him away in peter's case uh this this beat cop is more trying to build him back up and say like you know you've got to be strong for your family you can't just give up and peter's trying to kind of explain how this is him being strong meanwhile mj's mj's shield agent is trying to tell her that you know she doesn't have to keep trying anymore she can give up it's okay and MJ refusing to give up and say like no leaving Peter would be you know the easy thing but I'm, I'm staying with him because it's what I want and I don't want to dive too deep to it but I do want to note that there's definitely some gender coding to that that makes this story stronger by knowing what it's playing with there mm-hmm. oh yes for sure yeah uh so yeah <sighs> There's the scene with uh, the boys looking at the girls at a party that's... I don't know, when we got here, and I say this in the most positive way, this felt like a freaking Archie comic, you know? Like, just fun, innocent, good times, and having that kind of an idea of a background and then moving forward to this, like, almost political thriller created a really harsh juxtaposition that I thought was fun that played up the art style changes as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we do then take uh, another another flashback to a Romita comic where Peter, after I, if I remember correctly, ha- like getting hit in the head and having like a cu- concussion, uh, admits to uh, Captain Stacy, Gwen, Harry, and everyone at a party that he's Spider-Man. Uh, they end up not believing him because he has this concussion. Uh, I I can't spit out the exact issue number, but uh, it's a good one. I remember enjoying that one. Reading it in black and white. So, Pete's wearing a fake mustache while trying to confess his crimes, which is hilarious. For so many reasons. I do do like that he always goes to blonde whenever he's, like, trying to hide. I mean, it's it's for that Ben Riley call-out. But uh, it's it's a detail that's been consistent. I always like that. Yeah, I I find it funny, too, because, like, genetically he should be able to grow hair, because Ben Riley sure could. Mm -hmm. But he can't grow a mustache. Like, there's something about the idea of Peter not... Peter Parker not being able to grow a mustache that is so perfect <laughs> and relatable in my case uh, that I... <laughs> oh, this glorious facial hair. Oh, it's so soft and smooth. Hey, mine's still on my head. Hey, I've still got plenty of mine on my okay, head. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But so, I mean, it's just, it's so saccharine and like. Yeah. 
It is. Anyway, it is a sad it's like a Hallmark movie. You know Spider-Man's anyway, a soap drama. Yeah, yeah, but a good soap drama at times. Anyway, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm putting the kid gloves back on. Um, Sometimes you need a little bit of dove in your soap. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so th- there's this weird moment for me where uh, MJ forlongingly is looking out the window, talking about the past, then she reaches out and touches Brady's hand, and then she kind of pulls away, and she's talking about mixtapes and how Peter made one for her about magnetic fields. She's like, get it? Uh, and then they cut to this whole thing about her not getting it. <laughs> Well, it, it's this is actually I think what, like one of my favorite parts of this story was that we get this kind of like not necessarily like Rashomon take on on this one like meet not meet cute but like instance of their relationship, but we get the the parallel lives of Peter and MJ at this point where MJ gives Peter the mi- you know a mixtape, uh, which I mean, sure, yeah. I, well, how else can you declare your love for someone than, than give them a mixtape i mean it's the, it's the ultimate sign of of you know affection anyway and then peter giving her a recording of a nova uh lecture and uh, and they're in and, and we get the inner monologue of uh, of both of them as as they're going through this conversation mj's which like is in cursive and with pink boxes which clearly denote like a you know a feminine voice but for some reason in case you just didn't get it the letterer or maybe the editor added like some big red bright lips in front of the first one just so you know that this is mj thinking and not i i don't know uh, uh it was it was a bizarre note and i just wanted to uh bring it up but yeah so so we get mj talking about that to brady and then we have peter then talking to uh his detective um with the exact same exchange and both uh both of them are very critical of themselves messing up and it, it's it's a fun uh moment in comics and it's also something you can only really do in a comic book is to have this conversation going and then also have this running internal monologue and then like you can try to do it in the film but it it wouldn't come across as clean yeah no definitely it it's signposts and the reason you can't do it in film i believe is because the visuals are all there and so if you just filmed the same mm-hmm. scene and just had some different audio overlay it, it wouldn't have the same impact because it would take you longer to key in that this is the same scene because with everything a movement it doesn't signpost as fast you're right cleaner stronger Mm -hmm. definitely it's a fun bit i agree the lips and the pink and cursive is a bit overdone and then we jump to our climax right Mm -hmm. peter finds out they have mj and revitalized as a man he ain't having that nonsense Right. Brady makes like a final pass at MJ trying to appeal to like whatever they may or may not have had and says, you know, give him up, you'll go free. And the implication is that like maybe he has feelings for her or maybe he's just trying to play into the idea that he has feelings for her to tempt her away from him. Um, and then we end with like this, this very defiant looking MJ. Um, and then another flashback to the time they first kissed and where they 
they both have a shared internal monologue uh, saying that, you know, they'll they'll be there for each other always and forever uh, with uh, Robbie Robertson, Robinson looking looking back in the background, smiling with a big old pipe in his, in his mouth. Uh, well, again, just like the Ross Andrews panel or Andrew panel. Um but yeah, you're right. We get, we Peter swings into the rescue, kicks down the uh, glass front of his beloved coffee bean, or at least one of them. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they franchised at this point. Well, yeah, <laughs> and then we get then we get a great success. Peter Parker used to be here, so of course they uh, <laughs> able to. <laughs> then we get a great action panel, uh, which I think you wanted to talk about. Right. So this is something you've um, mentioned in other comics we covered, where there's a kind of this idea of, oh, Spider-Man's so fast, and they try to display that in comics, and it doesn't come through. <laughs> and there's this panel in here of... Peter Parker in a trench coat grabbing Mary Jane and dealing with a number of these shield agents and then he's out and the way it's displayed the page flip the whole movement of it is not just fast in action but the fast the fact that the whole action sequence takes place over kind of a prelude to it kind of a setup if you will an execution of another page then a conclusion on the top half of the page and before that conclusion page is even done it's over it's like pitch perfect comic book storytelling and this is like the climax of the story and it's this one big oversized frame to fit in all this action that happens within one frame there like just the pacing is so perfect and when you see it there like this does a better job of displaying the speed of spider-man than any movie any video game any comic any book i've ever read like this is something else as much as i was complaining about some of the art earlier this panel is such a cut above for comic book storytelling on top some of the other bits that we mentioned earlier that it does so much and this is the only action movement in the comic and i would take it over most it's mm. I, I i just every time i look at it there's this sense of awe i have it's incredible yeah it's it's just a really well done page and, and again to speak to just like the the way that they portray speed in this is so you get three panels on this page and the first probably like half or maybe a little bit more than half of the page is that is that one action panel of peter bouncing over the, the coffee bean and then escaping the next panel is Brady saying stop, and then the last panel is you're both under arrest. So it's it's it the way time dilation works again lends to the speed that we see in this first panel. And you're right, it's just it's so well done. Yeah, and then uh, we jump back to the present with the Eiffel Tower, and oh, they love each other. The Eiffel, the Tower. Eiffel Tower. The the the. What's in New York? We're not in Paris. It's the Empire Sorry, it was State so Building. Romantic. Is what they're I just standing got on top of. My wires crossed, you know. <laughs> uh, yes, and then uh, so yeah, we we go back to the very beginning of the story where they're standing over there, and then they kind of once again renew their vows, so oh to speak. God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and say, you know, MJ said, this is our life. And Peter says, yeah, you and me forever and always. And then they do a suicide jump. And, <laughs> and then guess what happens a few months later? <laughs> um, 
So yeah, that, that's I guess that's kind of the elephant in the room with this comic, oh. and may, maybe why it just didn't punch as strong for me because we have this story that's so much about how Peter and MJ are in this to win this. They are through thick and through thin. They are together forever and always. And then nope. Not like not like not even a year later. Cause this is this is April, I believe. Uh, one more day happened over the summer. So like, uh, it, it, I mean, <laughs> not not to not to not to beat that dead horse. Cause like it's not even a horse anymore. It's just dust on the ground at this point. Uh, just to say that one more day was just a poorly executed comic. What's one more day? Um, I feel like these are comics that don't exist that people keep talking about. <laughs> Right. Um, no, I I hear you. Um, mm. Did you have any other notes about this comic? Oh, uh, I could have sworn there was a backup story to this, but I guess there wasn't. Don't believe so. No. Um, I I have one more bit because we used to wrap mm. on kind of like what's this add to Spider-Man mythos or Spider-Man overall, and I feel like this comic does something for that, but in particular, obviously about the marriage. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I got out of this is normally when we see MJ and Pete, and MJ talks about why she loves Pete. You know, part of it is that idea of her liking the fact that he does have that sense of responsibility, that he does want to help. And whereas it does put a strain on it at times, if you tried to take that away, it wouldn't be the same. I've seen a number of writers approach this from a number of different angles but that general idea of you can't take the spider-man out of the peter parker and have it be the same when it was done literally it wasn't my favorite story but there you go but here we see both of them in a very different light they're fugitives they both believe they're doing what's right and mary jane still ride or die with peter and because that's how love works it's ride or die baby and there's something to that here because it's not in the normal position where yeah peter parker is a vigilante of the law but it's that kind of like maybe the sexy outlaw part of it or whatever <laughs> like they're living in a motel they're they're dealing with this aunt may got shot like this is as far as peter parker's life goes it may not be the absolute worst but this is definitely one of the pittiest parts of peter parker's moments and she's still there she's still with it she still believes in that sense of right against everyone else telling them that they're wrong and i think there's something about that using this moment of spider-man history to tell this story that makes it stronger and could have only really been told here that is part of the reason that it's so special so i I don't know i i just kind of wanted to harpen on that because it's rare that we get to talk about the marriage in a way where there's stakes that are aren't overplayed mm-hmm. well I, th- I think that's that's a fair uh fair point to make if i uh, to I eventually <laughs> it's all good um all right well uh that leaves us once again with our web of rankings Whew. all right so you said you weren't so hot on this one how not hot were you <laughs> I'm just looking up and down the list to see if there's anything that, like... I mean, like, I recognize that this comic resonates with people. And then people really like the Peter and MJ relationship. But, and, like, I I used to be, you know, in the same camp of, like, people, you know, when are they going to quit pretending and put these characters back together? But at this point, I'm just kind of over it. I'm I'm over the whole Peter-MJ thing. Uh, Like, I've, I've, I've accepted and I've moved on. 
And maybe that's maybe that's why the, this comic just didn't resonate with me. Maybe it's because I've had to push down those feelings for so long. Um, like a jilted lover, Kane. So I think I found a good comparison point. We have 50 entries on the list, Kane, and sitting at number 25, right in the friggin' middle, is Puma and the Honeymoon Spectacular Spider-Man Annual Number Seven. It's another annual. It's another bit about these lovers and. Puma's in the mix somewhere, somehow. It's a good comparison point. Do you feel All this right. is uh, yeah. stronger or weaker than that story? I'm going to say this is about the exact same. Whew. Yeah, man. Uh, that, that, was, that was a good one. That was a good one. Um, I, I want to mention this again, because our list, you know, you look up and down, you're like, oh, well, this is stronger, this is weaker. By and large, even when you get a bit lower on our list, I still like these comics. I just think the ones above it are right. a bit stronger. That doesn't mean I don't like most of them. You have to get down pretty low low to me not liking them up to uh, basically the last three entries are the only ones I honestly could say I don't like. So anyways, um, do, 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 uh, okay. Given the pedigree, given the moment, given some of the bits of art and given that killer action moment, I would have to say that this issue is stronger than that, uh, Puma and the Honeymoon annual that was quirky, fun, but kind of weird. Also kind of one of the weirder points for Peter Parker and his financial history. (laughs) I, I, uh, I, you're right. That's uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm remembering some of the details of that comic now. And yeah, you're right. That was uh, some weird, like macho kind of like almost like cuckoldery thing kind of going on with that well, one. But speaking again to kind of the relation of man and woman set in a time, if you all, and keep in mind, you know, we're talking only years, maybe decades of difference, you know, definitely decade. Uh, I mean, the idea of a man needing to provide for his family and do that was still a much bigger thing at that point. And so Peter was trying to be responsible to his family in a way, and but also uphold his idea of being a hero and it was putting that in conflict. I think there might have been a stronger way to do it, though, but it was definitely there. Um, But okay, so there's that, and then there's Predator and the Prey, that cool scorpion stuff. Uh, Do you think this deserves to rest below that? Yeah, I mean, I I like that Predator and the Prey story. I thought it was interesting and kind of, like, unique. Um, You know, we had the scorpion running around the sewer. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, I re- I, I, I can uh, relate more to someone wallowing in their own filth than I can someone in a happy marriage, I suppose. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, was that too dark? Did I go? Did I go too hard no, on that? No, that's just a good bit of self-reflection there, buddy. And uh, you should talk to someone about that. <laughs> um. Geez. Um, right. So at this point, I want to say something about our list because I think this says something about our list. This To Have and Mm -hmm. To Hold is a really upheld comic that a lot of people, you know, hold in very high esteem. And maybe it deserves a little bit of a reread in light of some more recent moves in comics. But we're saying a whole host of Spider-Man comics are way friggin' cooler than that one. And I definitely stand by that. Keep reading, folks. There's better stuff than what people tell you is cool. <laughs> well, I mean, not, yeah, not not to knock any of these stories that people really respond and resonate to, but like a part of the reason we're doing this show is to highlight how cool a 
lot of these stories that have just been completely washed over, you know, by the sands of time. Like the the cry of the Wendigo. Like no one's ever going to talk about that story, but like that Vess art and it was is just so enthralling and so different than what we have been getting. Uh, whatever happened to Crusher Hogan? I mean, uh, Double Shot or or um, the Last Shoot or Arms of the Man. Like, all of those are fantastic stories that really dive into the characters that are super important to the whole mythos and the, the fabric of Spider-Man. But but they, they just don't get talked about anymore because they're old and, uh, you know, they're not big bombastic events anymore. So there's no real reason to ever make reference to them 20 years after the fact. Well, like, even me, renowned Spider-Man expert, didn't know that Spider-Man the manga even exists in that form. I knew about the mangaverse and all that, so like this kind of gets washed over and it's excellent. Uh, and yeah, mm-hmm. as you point out, a number of these stories are just great. And again, I like this story. You know what? I like Cosmic Carnage, which is number 48 on our list. I genuinely enjoy that story. It's 48 well, on our list. <laughs> I, You know, I like Spider-Man stories. How the hell did Media Blizzard end up above that one, though, is a question. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Well, it's, it's, that's when we kind of get into the arbitrary nature of the list. Sometimes, you know, yeah. sometimes things just sneak in a little bit higher or lower than they need to yeah, be. Yeah, sometimes how you're feeling that day, certainly. Speaking of, though, Kane, mm-hmm. last time we hit on something that was hard for you. Oh, right. it was the, It's one we revisit a lot that you mention a lot. You feel, what I understood is that you feel Final Adventure, the Final Adventure, if you will, of Spider-Man, which mm-hmm. definitely was his final adventure, much like Final Fantasy was the only Final Fantasy <laughs> video game, uh, is misplaced on this list was a notion I got from you recently and have heard a number of times. Now, it was a while ago that I had to move a story because it was messing with my ability to even approach this list. Yeah, it was the final adventure. <laughs> right. So, in light of that, do you need to move this thing now that we have maybe a bit more bandwidth on the list and there might be a bit more of an amenable point would, would that help you out would that move it along because i feel like we're at the cusp here you know we're, we're now at 51 entries on the list with only really 50 episodes this is really our 50th episode and i feel like this might be the time if you have this or any other uh shifts you think you want to make i think we should at this moment milestone well i mean there's only one comic i want to move oh man and that's trouble oh man oh god (laughs) 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 no no you know what let's hear it what's your argument and where do you want to put trouble kane no 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 i'm just i'm I'm only saying that to get under your skin no i'm 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 fine with uh with where everything is currently placed uh i i've i have also made my peace with the final adventure um you know, it's 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 fine. I I I'm, I stand by every single pl- uh, item on this list and where it's placed oh, yeah. because I still have the number one. My pick was the number one. Your pick is the first, third, the child within. When we started the show, we both landed on was one to talk about like within minutes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. The manga was definitely yours. So the fifth one is the first one of my picks on here, <laughs> and then the sixth. <sighs> yeah. All right. 
Yeah, that's true. There we go. I reign supreme. And you reign on the bottom a bit, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the best of both worlds. You're a home run hitter. Top of the bottom, baby. All right. And that's it for today's episode. We'd like to thank every one of you guys for tuning in and giving the show your support. Uh, If you'd like to support the show through our Patreon, we have a number of uh, rewards, including Spider-Man art from artists you know and love, uh, bonus episodes, (laughs) an exclusive channel in our Slack community. And uh, normally when we're looking for feedback, we go straight to that... uh, slack community and asked ask uh if you guys want any changes so if you want to have a hand in how and maybe in how our show gets shaped that's uh slack community or that patreon channel and the slack community is a great way to do that all right up next is an exciting somewhat relevant block to the modern days and times of the spider-man it's carnage we're starting off with the web of carnage storyline for those of you who don't have it straight in their heads it starts in sensational spider-man number three moves on to amazing spider-man 410 and then is in adjectiveless spider-man 410 or adjectiveless 67 67 and wraps up in the spectacular spider-man 233 Our second episode in that block will be The Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 28. It is a classic. And then third is Time Before, which starts in Peter Parker, Spider-Man number 13, and wraps up in Web Spinners number 13 and 14. Kane, we haven't covered Web Spinners before. This should be a... We haven't. should be a bit, but it ties into a uh, classic tale from our list. (laughs) And we'd like to give a special thanks to the Ellie Badge for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, please check out the show notes for links. And until Kane whisked me away to the top of the Empire State Building in a loving embrace, make mine untold. <laughs> Not happening. <really. laughs>